And I could just see all these like women just basically bossing it and I was like interesting so they said curly and afro hair can't be professional so now like I'm in a professional setting with my hair and now we've got this idea that women can't be business leaders but I'm seeing all these business women so I was just like moving like what's going on here there's everyone's lying like there's, <laughs> everyone can do anything that they want to do Hello Curl Friends and welcome to the third episode of the Curl Squad's Curl Power Podcast with me, Zoe Fox. Thank you for being here. I'm very grateful to have your ear. In today's episode, I speak with founder and influencer Charlotte Williams and we talk about why you shouldn't tag your location on social media whilst you're out and about. Charlotte tells us what products she cannot sleep without. We discuss $300 product hauls, going viral, and what it takes to build a successful influencer marketing agency, and how working as an influencer has actually inspired Charlotte to want to make some changes in that industry. She talks about building a team that plays to individual strengths, and she's also got a message for aspiring influencers. So, with that said, let's get into it. So I have with me my very first guest, yeah, on the Curl Squad's Curl Power podcast. It is Charlotte Williams. She is the founder of the inclusive, well, diversity-focused influencer marketing agency, 7-6. She's an influencer in her own right. um, And she's also the host of the Sustainably Influenced podcast. Charlotte, welcome. Thank you. A nice introduction. Yes, I'm really, really excited to have you on. And um, I'm just feeling my way through this podcasting thing. So, yeah, thank you for being my first guest. And thank you for bearing with me while I I try and figure it all out. Cool. So we're going to kick off with the quickfire round. So satin bonnet or satin pillowcase? Pillowcase all day, every day. Hair up or hair down? Uh, There's a time and a place, generally down, up when I need to concentrate. (laughs) Edges natural or edges laid? I'm a recent laid converter. Oh, really? Mm, Yeah, I realised it actually looks really cute and I'm like, ooh. So yeah, laid right now. Um, Wash day, a chore or a vibe? I don't have a wash day. I have, uh, (laughs) I'm a lazy curly and um, my wash day is, um, this isn't a quick fire, but my wash day is washing my hair. It's really quick, and then leaving it in deep conditioner for two days, and then rinsing it out. So a bit of a, oh, like a wash week. Wash week, but it's, it's like <laughs> there's no vibe to it, and it's not a chore. It's just like something that happens. Yeah. Okay, that's a good way of doing it because mine just feels like a chore right about now. But um, <laughs> so volume or definition? Volume all day. Like, I don't know what I'm looking at. I'm looking a bit mad today. My fringe isn't even on the centre of my head. But I would do anything for volume. I'm obsessed with your volume, man. Obsessed. Even when I go short, it's still just like, 
it took me a long time to embrace the volume because it's quite daunting um but I'm I'm here for it and it's like the bigger the better when I get my hair cut and they try to make it super defined and I'm like I look like a rag doll because my <laughs> my curls don't I don't think they suit being defined um so yeah it's all about volume yes living Not for the volume um day one hair or day three hair day three hundred percent yeah, getting that volume bigger and bigger mm. with every day. Um, and, well, diffuse or air dry? I do both, actually. Um, diffuse just at the roots for volume, but generally air dry because I'm lazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So have you got any certified go-to products or accessories for your hair? So I have been using the same products for ages. There's a couple of new things I've added in as they've been released. But I'm a Buclem fan through and through. I love their deep conditioner mm -hmm. and I love um, their curl cream for refreshing and their gel for styling. The um, the pink one, not the yellow one, because the pink, the yellow one just won't hold my hair. <laughs> um, so they're my like go-to products. I've also incorporated in the last two years Diziac. Diziac deep conditioner is a staple in my household. It's like crack and you get addicted to it. My boyfriend is obsessed and it's like his favorite product in the world because he's recently figured out in the last basically two years that he has curly hair because he's always cut it. And then I made him let it grow and now he's got like the curliest hair ever. Um, so yeah, that's that. And then my satin pillowcases, I cannot sleep without a satin pillowcase all right I've never heard of Dizzy App actually that's a new one to me oh my god you will love them yeah love 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 black owned owned by a um, really nice girl called Loretta um small London-based company um but she's in like Selfridges Space and K like uh, like some really good places just because she, the product's just really good yeah does it smell good it smells no do you know what it doesn't smell bad but it smells a bit um chemisty it smells yeah. like it's treating your hair but it's also really really good for colored hair I know a lot of um white girls who use it for their um like blonde bleached blonde hair because it literally transform your head like it you'll mm. you'll use it and you'll be like oh my god it's this is a different head of hair so is it what's the price range on it it's the same as Buclem, I think. It's like 20, 20 pounds, I think, for they have a they only have two products as well. This is it. So it's a shampoo and conditioner. And the conditioner is a deep conditioner that you leave in your hair for five minutes, or you can use it as like a 30 minute, 40 minute um mask as well. But it doesn't matter which one you, you do, it, it has instant results. I'm not sure what she's putting in it. Yeah. um but I know it's like natural products and sulfate free um that kind of stuff but it's definitely got something in it that's like hits your hair follicle and turns mm -hmm. into something else yeah I need a lot of that right about now my hair's just been really dry so I'm definitely gonna have to give that one a go thank you highly recommend um do you have a curl icon from like back in the day someone that you used to look up to do you know what? No. When I was younger, I don't remember anyone having curly hair, apart from 
Joan on Girlfriends, but then she would also straighten her hair. I don't really remember seeing that many curly-haired people who had my type of curl. That was my issue. So I'd see, like, Afro hair, but that also wasn't really a big thing when we were growing up. You know, everyone straightened their hair. But then curls, it was, like, that 90s mousse wave curl. And I just didn't have that. So, no, I didn't have any until I, until I was much older. But more recent times, um, I have found that Elaine Welteroff, the former editor-in-chief of um, Teen Vogue, she has been really inspiring. I've kind of, like, discovered her on Instagram about four years ago. And she has, her hair's quite similar to mine, my curl pattern, but maybe the tiniest bit looser, but I think it's because she bleaches her hair, so that always loosens your curls a bit. But um, she also wears glasses. So she was like my like glasses, curly hair inspo. Because I always had this thing that glasses were ugly, but then also you couldn't wear glasses and have curly hair. Because that's just like, whoa, way too much. So she gave me loads of confidence to wear my hair curly and like natural and wear my glasses. But recently she's become a bit of a, she's on like the US version of like loose women. And she started to wear her hair straight a lot and wear a weave uh, and she's been Hollywoodized. So it's quite sad to see, but she was my um, like adult inspo for a really long time. Yes. And now you are inspiration for the generations to come. And I love it. <laughs> I think the first time we met was at Fro Girls or Neither Light, as she is now known, one of her events oh by the canal. God. That event was so long ago. Feels like a whole different lifetime ago. Yeah, it was. It was. It was ages ago. And I just remember everybody jumping in a selfie and um, Mm. just being like all these like big curly hair, just, yeah, serving life. And I just was like, wow, this is amazing. That was, yeah, I remember, this is very off topic, but the thing I remember most about that event was... um, who was it was it Renee getting those flowers sent by her stalker oh yeah <laughs> that's the thing I use that event as like a cautionary tale to people um of not tagging your location when you're like out and about but yeah that event was so long when when even was that I, I don't even I don't know. know that was when I first went like fully curly after my Brazilian blow dry so my hair was still a bit like whoop yeah, it was, what is it, at least, was it five years ago or something? Yeah, must have been five. Something like that. Well, it certainly feels like a long time ago. And I just remember being, like, totally amazed. I remember going by myself and being a bit, like, uh, awkward about going by myself. But, like, finally finding women who were celebrating their hair and mm-hmm. all of that sort of good stuff. And it just felt really nice to be amongst fellow curly people. Yeah, but my people. Yes, I found my people and they're here and they've got big hair. Um, So (laughs) tell me a little bit about what it was like for you growing up, where you grew up um, and your relationship with your hair. Yeah, this is actually something I spoke to my therapist about last week, which is quite funny. I grew up in a very, so I grew up in a very white area. I'm mixed and have a white mum and a black dad. My mum has a lot of cousins who are also mixed race and aunts and uncles who are black because one of my nan's sisters married a Jamaican man so she was very used 
to mixed race curls, whatever that might mean. So most of my cousins have hair either like mine or like yours, um, depending on who they are. Um, so she, I was quite lucky in the sense that my mum knew the deal. She knew what needed to be done at that time. Maybe things are different now than they were then. So mums have way more access to better products nowadays, whereas my mum was using like Blue Magic, Pink, all of the like <laughs> thick black hair products that probably weren't quite right for my hair type or any hair type, to be completely honest, because we should never have been using Blue Magic on our scalp and whatever the hell's <laughs> in pink lotion. But my childhood was very much my hair was very much put away so it was always in plaits or cane rows or um braids so I always had something so as a kid I either had it in like individual plaits um with like the little bobbles and stuff yeah. at the top right at the end <laughs> I was like 90s black kids like how everyone was doing their hair um or my aunt would um came row it and I have like I've always been so random do you remember that Brady um that came row that I don't know if this is what it's actually called but we called it in my house all around the world where you had it was like uh, basically one came row that like went all the way around your head and then like a little thing so I had like styles like that and like nothing just nothing cute like some like came with going back just keeping it out of my face it was always like some random style but I liked I always like to experiment even from a young age um but what was interesting is I actually didn't realize my hair was curly until I was 15 because my hair was always braided or always um in a bun or always tied back and weirdly when I was in year seven I started to wear two Bits. Do you remember that style where you gel two bits down? What, so like just I, the curls out like that? Yeah, so I'd have my hair like scraped back in like the tightest bun yeah. and then I'd have two bits hanging down. But my friends who had straight hair would have straight bits. But my hair was curly, so I'd have them curly and they weren't really curly. But for some reason, I didn't identify that the rest of my head could do that. Yeah, It was just this really weird thing that I just never like saw the, the correlation between the gel and my hair and my whole head so it wasn't until I was like 15 where one day I just like brushed out my hair and then I was like what did I what would happen if I put this mousse in my hair and I realized I, I had all these curls and because I used so much mousse and gel it like really weighed it down so they were like hard crunchy curls but they were I my hair wasn't like this for a really long time so yeah that happened and then things got a bit different once I figured out my hair was curly so I started to experiment again so I'd have like always a weird hairstyle so I'd either ha- I had it in like a bob at one point an asymmetric oh, at another yeah, point there. I had like <laughs> the back shaved and all the curls like my hairdresser was a Tony Tony and Guy um hairdresser but she used to do me from her house because she was like a family friend and um a black woman and just really wanted to get in and just did every time I came home my dad was like oh god you've been to Amaret again <laughs> and I'm like yeah what do you think and he'd be like no I also remember dyeing my hair that wasn't with her that was with another family friend but I went through a bit of a emo phase um which was one of my favorite phases actually that was my myspace days and I had my hair dead straight that's when I figured out my hair could go straight and it went dead straight but then I had pink fuchsia pink um highlights around the crown of my head 
so yeah it was, I had a weird relationship with my hair in that I didn't discover it existed until quite late on um mm. I found it a burden for most of my younger life because I just didn't know what to do with it because my mum actually only knew how to do my hair in like the traditional black hair sense so she knew she had to scalp um oil my scalp and moisturize my ends and put it away and braid and like, have it braided or um yeah so I'd have sometimes braid extensions sometimes cameras whatever but I never actually got to have my hair out and that was like a really big deal when I did and I remember my mum just being a bit like oh I don't know she like pulled a face and she was like I don't know if I like that because no one was really wearing their hair out mm. that she knew so she was just like mm, not sure but I went with it anyway because I was a kid and who cared what your mum says um but yeah I, I had um I've had like lots of, that was my childhood and then obviously as I got older things developed in different ways but I never had an issue and I had to when I said I talked about my th- this with my therapist I've never had an issue with my identity and my race and knowing that I mix and you know come from a black dad and understanding my Jamaican culture and my heritage I've never had an issue with that but I have definitely have had an issue with my hair yeah and identifying where my hair fits in my skin color never been an issue never if anything I've always wanted to be darker I have I'm obsessed with having a tan but um I think a lot of us are because we've got the yellow undertone um but that's like one thing that I always get asked about in terms of like you know was race ever an issue and race was literally never an issue but my hair definitely was and why do you think that was I know you sort of spoke a little bit about um, you know, how your mum used to do your hair and um, like the influence of black people's involvement with your hair. But in terms of like society and you already touched on how you didn't necessarily see yourself reflected. Yeah. How do you think like growing up underneath European beauty standards impacted your relationship with your hair? I think because I never saw anyone who looked like me with hair like mine. I saw people that looked like me, but they didn't have hair like mine. They always mm-hmm. had it straight. So, like, I remember seeing, like, Christina Milian when she, because I remember my cousin's ex-boyfriend was her record producer, and it was, like, a really big deal. And she, like, come onto the scene, and I was like, oh, my God, this girl, she's mixed race, she's beautiful, like, she's, she, like, she's my colouring, but her hair was straight, and she wore mm-hmm. a weave. And I was just like, cool, not, not quite there. It's, like, something I would aspire to be, but I'm not allowed to do that with my hair. So maybe one day um because I wasn't allowed to straighten my hair when I was younger um until I was like 14 15 but then even then it was a bit of an occasion um but yeah I think the biggest thing was I didn't have anyone that identified that I could identify with even like my cousin so I have one white cousin and one black cousin and her hair was always straight until she I think until she became a mum like a few like how old's like yeah like six six years ago her hair was straight so I didn't have anyone in my life that didn't have straight hair who looked like me there were no actors on tv there were no there was just nothing there so I it's do you know that whole thing of you can't be what you can't see Mm. that's so true like Mm. there were loads of people that looked like me around not loads but there were a few people that looked like me around they just didn't have my hair type Mm -hmm. visibly even like if you think about Rochelle Humes as an example when she was in um S Club Juniors for a split second 
she had hair like mine <laughs> and then they straightened it straight away and like now she's embracing her curls but she would I imagine she would have gone through the same thing in that she wouldn't have seen anyone that looked like her so she was like yeah sure straighten my hair like this is what makes me look good so yeah there's like so many people that I just followed what they did I guess so with the experience that you had growing up um, with your hair and where you've gone now with like founding seven six how much of your childhood experience has sort of modeled where you are now and I know you've done some other really significant things in between now and then like working for some really big brands like Hello Kitty and Wa. Uh, but yeah I'm just interested how the journey ties in I think it wasn't so much my childhood but my 20s that really impacted my adult life I don't believe I was an adult in my 20s um so I guess everything leads to, to everything when I was 20 I went on a year abroad and fell in love with a boy and with a country so I moved to Portugal after graduation at the age of 20 21 22 and um, I lived there for a few years and I found it quite difficult being there because I really wanted to assimilate I'm really competitive and I hated being the outsider so I hated being the Brit and with Brits over there, they had this thing where you never look, they never learn our language. They come over yeah. <laughs> and they, they have their like expat life. They all teach English and da, da, da. And I just really didn't want to be that person. So I worked really, really hard to learn the language and to learn it in a way that I sounded local. I kind of changed how I dressed to meet like the Portuguese style or the Porto where I live, Porto style. Um, it was, yeah, I kind of transformed myself to kind of fit into that country and also maybe that relationship and I wore my hair straight every single day whilst I was there um there so was, was that straightened time, was it or was it relaxed no it was straightened I my mum wouldn't let me relax my hair as a kid and I remember um her friend she, we she had a few friends and a couple of uh, and an aunt and a couple of like family friends who would braid my hair to be in like box braids and um I remember one of her friends Marissa was really like aggressive with how I shouldn't relax my hair like I and it really stuck with me but I knew that my hair would go straight with the straightener so I was like I don't need to relax it actually because it just goes straight and I heat trained it so well that it just went straight like that it, and it stayed unless it got wet it stayed it was like the deadest hair but it did what I needed it to do so I would have half a head of weave and I'd like to keep it natural looking so I'd only have like 15 inches sometimes 18 no no I'd have 18 inches sorry 20 if it was like a really big celebration and um, there was a, an occasional 15 when I just bought the wrong hair but um, yeah, 18 inches. So it wasn't too long. It could have actually been my hair, um, but it was just thicker. And then I'd have the top just kind of left out and that would do, you know, what I wanted it to do. Um, and then I'd have to keep cutting it to make sure that it, it stayed um, healthy looking. But um, I would wash my hair, blow dry it, straighten it, have it straight for like two weeks. Then I'd have to wash it because it would stink wash it, straighten it, blow dry it. And it would like be a continuous cycle. <clears throat> and there was a period of like, I don't know, like nine months that I didn't see my natural hair. 
which is crazy to think like it grows off your head but you have to live with it every day how did I go through that that maintenance is just I don't I don't have the time for that now so how I was doing it then no idea some effort Mm. (laughs) some effort yeah serious effort but I just put so much into my appearance and then when I moved back from Portugal I started to like come back to my my like my family and my friendship group and my I broke up with that boyfriend and I kind of just like wanted to shake everything off so I went natural quote unquote I was technically already natural because I had never relaxed my hair but I did have a Brazilian blow dry which completely changed my curl pattern so when I started to wear my hair curly again I was like oh just embracing my curls (laughs) but there were no curls there (laughs) looking back at pictures I laughed so hard because it was like my hair was looser than yours and I was like oh my god it's so curly and then like there was like random bits that were like random there was no curl there was just like a little bit of wave and then like a then a straight line so I I cut a lot of that out and also just had a long wait I think it took about took about a year for it to fully come back which is really weird because a lot of people say like Brazilian blow and I think because I had it done in Portugal and they might use different products over there so the terminologies might be different so what they called a Brazilian blow dry might not actually be Brazilian blow dry I might have had something else yeah. but um I just trusted that that was the translation but yeah people say oh no they normally last like four months mine lasted a year and it was yeah just really funny just looking back at pictures at how I thought my hair was so big and then looking at my hair now and I'm like oh this is only day two hair imagine in like three days what my hair's gonna look like um but yeah so I kind of like came into myself a little bit and I remember I was on um I was on a work trip I was in Boston and I was there for two weeks and annoyingly when I as soon as I got there they had a snowstorm and I was basically locked in my apartment for two weeks and no one could go to the office so I flew out to, to essentially be by myself for two weeks in a really nice apartment in Boston. Um, so one night I was really bored and I had my weave in. One night I was just like, that's it. I'm going curly. I've watched like a thousand YouTube videos. And then I was like, I'm going curly. So I took my weave out. I remember being on the phone to my friend, Dina from Portugal. She's like, what are you doing? And I was like, just take my weave out. She, and she's always been natural. So she was like, okay I'm here for it what's going on and I was just like I don't know I'm just knew me I'm just doing my thing so we like talked for hours whilst I was like I'm picking it and then I went to Target and I spent about 200 I think it was like 300 dollars but there was a few products that were from my friend Christiania as well so about 250 dollars on hair care products bearing in mind that we didn't have those products this was like six years ago so we didn't have the products over here yet it was like share moisture Auntie Jackie's um like any natural hair product you can think of I'd like bought into and I remember getting in the car and the the taxi driver was like oh these bags are heavy I was like dude it's <laughs> hair product. I should have bought, I remember also going back to the apartment and then being like oh I went to Target and I should have bought food <laughs> because I don't even know if they do food in Target but I was out and I had to order a takeaway and I was just like oh I went out and I didn't like think about things I needed I just bought all these hair products but um yeah and I just tried everything and then I came home and I went to the office that day uh, that that week when I came home 
and everyone was just a bit like oh yeah your hair's different because they'd only ever seen me with straight hair and my friend Christania was there and she's um she hadn't gone through her natural hair journey at that point but she was the only black she no we had a couple of black girls in this but she was like my my friend in our little friendship group she was the only black girl and I think she could see like you've got a long way to go my friend yeah (laughs) but um it was yeah really interesting time but that's when it all happened and I think from there that it was a catalyst of me like really looking back at my life looking forward like seeing how things work being introduced I think the natural hair community at that time really like opened my mind a bit and broadened my horizons a little bit because there was just so many amazing people in there different people as well it wasn't just like one type of person yeah at back in the day that natural hair community was like popping there was like so much going on especially because we didn't have everything so we were learning about new products that were coming over from America and remember people were like sending stuff over to other people like trying to try stuff that you can get yeah Yeah. it was so exciting um yeah so I think I just made so many friends from that community and then the kind of things moved out from there but I think my 20s was definitely like my mid-20s was definitely like where everything kind of stemmed from and was the catalyst to where I am now um but yeah it's been a bit of a interesting journey but it's the people I've met along the way you included it's just been so great yeah, it's definitely been amazing, like the rise of this culture, you know, through YouTube and through Instagram and finding people mm-hmm. that like all of a sudden it's like you're seeing yourself represented yeah. and in so many different forms, as you say, so many different curl types, so many different personalities, people doing all sorts of different jobs and different things and it's just yeah. really inspiring and I'm glad now that as young girls are coming up that they're not going to have to go through hopefully not going to have to go through what some of us went through when we were growing up looking out and you know clutching for people to be able to um, identify mm-hmm. with and to be able to see yourself truly represented in the society that surrounds you is really important that's why I'm really really sort of excited about the work that you're doing with the agency so tell me a little bit about how that came about so I've worked in-house forever as a as a marketer brand marketer so very much focused around social media and community management so I started my marketing career after a few internships working for an e-learning company which sounds like the most boring job in the world but actually I always talk about it It was such a good job like the company I worked for was the most to date the most diverse team I've ever seen it was like age gender sexuality ethnicity religion like it was like so like football teams like it was just so multicultural but um everyone was just like also on the same level and that's what I loved about it because there are a few people who were like quite annoying and quite different and there's always that in, in your team but um it we were all come from different places and different backgrounds and we maybe had different skin colors but we actually all had very similar interests and like we all got on and that's what I actually see as like an inclusive well no a diverse team in that you can find like if 50 white people can sit down in the room together and like get along then if we actually change that 50 and it was like you know a few Asian people a few black people a few like Latin people whatever it, it might be we can also have the same like interests and personalities and like things that we find funny so I found that team 
fantastic and I loved it but then I moved on and then I went to work for Hello Kitty so when I was at the e-learning company I did loads of content marketing so lots of social um lots of email marketing and then I hosted community focused events for the celebrities in the e-learning world wow so that's what I did then and then I basically moved those skills over to Hello Kitty where I did essentially the same thing but in a cooler capacity so I hosted influencer and and consumer focused events for the 18 to 35 year old target audience um in the UK and really across the world it was supposed to just be Europe but my role kept changing so it was just UK then it was Europe then we added South Africa then we added Australia then we added Israel and it just kind of like kept happening um but I really focused around influencers there and using influencer marketing as a really cost-effective way to build the brands back up because Hello Kitty had its heyday yeah. and it was massive. But then in the UK, it completely dropped. Um, and then with all the other character brands that came out, it was kind of forgotten about. So my the team that was created when I was hired, the pure reason we existed was to actually get Hello Kitty back into stores, which we did. And I'm very proud of what we, me, my team and I, did because you can now see Hello Kitty pretty much everywhere again and that was thanks to us so that was really cool um and then I left Hello Kitty after a couple of years and then I moved over to Wild Nails which was an incredible experience I actually wasn't there for that long it was a really interesting role because I went from court really corporate companies to just a couple of women in an office there was no like strategy there was no rhyme or reason there was no like I don't know structure it was just us in the office just getting stuff done um and I learned so much about entrepreneurship and female entrepreneurship specifically and I was I, I feel like I was kind of like hit by an arrow and I was like oh my god and I'm so pleased that I took that job because even though I wasn't, I, I decided to leave and go freelance. I took them on as a client and then took on other clients because the role wasn't quite right for me. And that actually makes sense because pretty much a year to the week were closed. So mm. they were coming to their natural end um, and maybe we could all feel it, but nothing was ever said. Um, but I just remember every day I'd meet some like badass women who'd like launched some either like really cool business that like makes sense or like some really crazy business that I'd never even thought it was needed but made sense and I was just like oh my god and they were making careers and lives for themselves and obviously being under Sharma Dean how impressive she is and just seeing how she runs a business and how the good the bad the ugly and how you know how things work so I was just really I hadn't ever been exposed to that kind of thing before so I was just really like okay and then my boyfriend's sister also runs a really successful company. So I was exposed to that as well. And I could just see all these like women just basically bossing it. And I was like, interesting. So they said like, I've gone from like curly and Afro hair can't be professional to now like I'm in a professional setting with my hair. And now we've got this idea that women can't be business leaders, but I'm seeing all these business women. So I was just like moving, like, what's going on here? There's everyone's lying. Like, there's, <laughs> everyone can do anything that they want to do. And I just decided that I wanted to, no, I didn't decide I wanted to start a business. I, that came later, but I just decided that that wasn't something I could explore, but maybe not now. And then um, I got to 29 
and have one of those crises where you're like I'm gonna turn 30 and my life has amounted to nothing and I don't know what I'm gonna do and then I was I 29 no I was 28 so I was even pre pre 30 so um and then I decided okay I need to decide what it is I want to do do I want to go back in-house and work for another brand I've been freelance it's just because freelance life is actually a lot of work you tend to work harder especially at the beginning harder than you did when you were at a company because you have to you have to earn more you have to pay your taxes and like account for all of that stuff that you don't normally talk about so I was like really burnt out and I was trying to think do I want to go back into the brand side do I want to work for an agency and at the same time I was doing a lot of influencer stuff and I was like, oh, I'm making money doing this. This is cool. Um, I'd never made as much money doing it as I had then because I guess I'd had more time to like focus on my Instagram account to do, to do more blogs and stuff and just be present in the industry. And um, I started going to more events and friends started going, making more friends in the industry and friends were going to more events. And I just realised that there's a real, there was a real lack of diversity within the whole space. Mm. and I'd speak to PRs about it and just like pick their brains and ask them questions about like why was I the only black influencer invited to this event um mm-hmm. with my like 5,000 followers at the time and like this doesn't make any sense like the reach is really low and I'd like ask questions and they'd always come back with the same answers and it would be like no we just don't have access to, like those types of influencers those and I say types. this all the time now yeah and I'm like completely desensitized to it now but at the time I was like what are you talking about because yeah. in my head I was like the word access was for me a trigger because I was like it's called the internet what do you mean you yeah. have access what's your wi-fi like like we all just have an access. excuse and then those types which is basically othering any single influencer who isn't white mm-hmm. saying that they are different regardless that within that space the demographic although it's pretty homogenous they have different they're you know they're from different categories and they have like different things that make them different people but anyone else that isn't white is different I was just like wow there's something wrong here so that's where seven six came from a bit of like the exposure of what was really going on because I had more time to see it to and also a pending quarter life crisis so I was like okay I think I might start a business and then I spoke to a few people who have successful businesses and I was like yeah I'm gonna do it literally had no idea how to what I needed to do didn't ask anyone any like tips or anything I just I spoke to my boyfriend he was like you need to register your name on company's house and I was like cool 12 pounds done and that's how seven six started <laughs> wow so how have things been when we consider like the last year that we've just had with the rising conversation around the whole Black Lives Matter thing? And I know that I took some time away from Instagram. I come back and your account had just yeah. exploded. Same. I took some time away and my account exploded. Um, yeah, last year was, no words, last year was insane. So I, we launched in 2019 and plodded along. I spoke about the whole diversity thing a few times, but we didn't ever really get buy-in from brands for that. Mm. I just got booked to do campaigns regardless. You know, 
they would like I'm really lucky to have a great contact list so the people that we worked with were people I'd worked with previously or you know family or friends businesses so we always had work but it was just generic kind of campaigns it wasn't diversity focused and then the BLM resurgence happened well I posted a video on my Instagram that Beauty Stack reposted and Sharma um, posted on her Twitter and then I don't know how but Zoella got hold of it Oh, okay. And we posted. So that's how this happened. Yeah. So overnight, every white beauty and lifestyle blogger that ever existed reposted my video, made it go viral. viral. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a it was crazy because I've obviously worked in this industry for a long time and been on social media and have helped things go viral and helped um campaigns and pushed and created content to, for that purpose. Mm-hmm. And I just posted this little video thinking it's just for like my mom and my boyfriend to understand how I'm feeling right now. And yeah, it just got a bit out of control. But I guess it was it was a really heartfelt video. So it came came from like being really frustrated and angry and upset. So I guess that was that was seen. But um yeah, it went viral and then from that the business got so much attention. Mm-hmm. um we're lucky to have a very good website created by Zoe Fox herself so <laughs> we our SEO was actually on point because one of our keywords was I can't even remember what the big one was but inclusive marketing was up yeah. there and we were the only like UK focused inclusive marketing search term that came up so that really helped us and then um I think we spoke about in a blog post black bloggers or or BAME bloggers or something and that also helped with our hits so it, Google basically did our job for us so that's the power of SEO so if we had a proper strategy we probably would have got like 20 times more work than we did but we did really well um yeah the website got so many hits it was out of control um and we are now just working from there so June to September was out of control crazy busy I grew my team from two to six um, really, really quickly. Um, we quickly became a very viable business. We, Luckily, we've always had a profit. It just hasn't been like a worthwhile mentioning profit. But, yeah. <laughs> but um, I spoke to my accountant and it was just so funny because I brought her in in February and this all happened in June, July. So she was just like, what has happened? Like she's like completely unaware of what's going on. And she was like, what's happened? I had to sit her down and be like, so we've we've got like a whole team now and, you know, business is doing really well and we've changed some of our services and this is how we're pricing. She was just like, I've never seen, like none of, she has so many clients. She's like, I've never seen this happen to any of my clients. This is outrageous. So yeah, so here we are now. I'm really, really pleased and a bit scared to say that we're now like, I was a bit worried it was going to be a trend and mm. that, you know this would all happen and then it would like die down it's it has died it definitely has significantly died down to where we were um in the summer last year it's it's not even comparable but we have a really steady income um and we've only pitched or I personally have only pitched twice three times in like the two years that we've been around um so all of our income comes through like social media and if I do a podcast and someone hears it or a live um it all comes from that nothing really Mm. comes from us like pitching 
so we've just hired a brand partnership manager that starts a month today I think no a month on Monday and she'll be going out and pitching us to the world so that will be a, like a real transition like we've never done that before so that'd be really cool and yeah we've just become like a serious business I took on everyone full-time as of last week and I pay people's tax and insurance and pensions now like wow could you even this imagine? is so exciting like I've got goosebumps just like <laughs> and I'm, I, I get so emotional but like just sitting here hearing your story hearing about how you you took an idea and you ran with it and you're employing people you're educating people you're making sure that the community is truly represented and to me that is just like that's power and that's why I wanted to do this podcast so that I can show other women and girls that are like us that are sitting at home and have maybe got ideas that are a little bit uncertain or don't feel like their voice is important that like look you can do this you can Mm. do anything that you want to do and you can go for it and you can make a change and you can make a difference so it's really inspiring for me to hear everything that you've just been saying so that's that yeah we are not worthy no it's been a real journey but also do you know what the biggest thing is what it's made me realize this it's actually really easy I'm not saying it's easy to run a business because that's something I've learned the hard way it's actually quite difficult to run a business but it's really easy to set up a business and come up with an idea and do it you just need to find the right people to give you the right help and you know support that you need but one my biggest piece of advice for people who have you know who just said have the ideas and want to do something just try it like as long as you're not, I always say, as long as you're not getting yourself into debt, um, then you can just do whatever you need to do. Because if you fail, so what? It's like try again or try a different business. There are so many people who have like had unsuccessful launches, and then the next one, you know, was the the thing that they needed. So I would definitely recommend anyone to yeah, just try what they need to try to get out there because. I'm not business focused. I like as an example, I'm really bad at math. This is like a, oh, like a running joke in my family. Same. Like, <laughs> I'm embarrassingly bad at math and I'm not sure how or why. Like my older brother's an accountant. I don't understand how I can't count. Like it's yeah. it's weird. And I was just we we're doing a pricing report, um, which I'm gonna put my hand up and say I'm not in charge of the numbers. <laughs> we're doing a report on pricing within the influencer scene. And I was just going through it with our digital assistant. And I was counting something and she was just like, Charlotte, what are you doing? And I could see her like hand in head, but I'd already explained to her that maths is not my strong point. And she is very good at maths, like did statistics and all of the stuff that I have no idea what even that means. And I'm very pleased that she's part of my team because that's it. But that's why I have an accountant and that's why I have you know different people. Like I don't do the payroll. I don't do the accountant, the accounting side. I don't do my own tax return because I'm just not that type of person. I don't do the numbers in the reports because that's not that kind of thing. But I can see the the income. I can see like what works, what doesn't work. I, I'm good at data analysis. I'm just not good at actually doing the equations and things that need to be done. But um, I can't remember where this is, this is going. But yeah, just as long as you have people around you that can do the things that you need done. Um, I think if I can do it, knowing what I'm like as, just like a person who can't count basically then anyone can actually run a business yeah it's play to your strengths isn't it and pull people Mm. in to play to theirs you haven't got to be everything you know just go just get it started like you've said 
Um, do you have any daily habits or rituals that you do to help with your mental health or to help with your productivity? Do you have any particular routines? Do you know what? I don't. I'm really erratic and I've, I've just realised this as the weeks have gone on. Um, so I've taken my phone out of the equation in the mornings and I have an alarm clock. Um, I don't know why I have an alarm clock. So I wake up every day six minutes before my alarm is due to go off unless I'm really really tired um but yeah alarm clock's just a safety net but taking my phone out of the equation not being on my phone before bed really helps and then like if that if I do if I am on my phone I can notice it the next day so like last night I was on my phone really late because I had like loads of stuff I wanted to post on my Instagram so sad um but I felt it this morning even though my phone wasn't in the room when I woke up I could feel like I was on technology for too long Mm -hmm. so removing technology from my life is really important and also like setting up rooms so over lockdown this flat has become chaotic with me working my partner working having a dog just like running really busy companies and then also getting keeping on top of the housework and all of that stuff so in the last couple of months, I've been really focused on like creating the correct spaces. So we've just done the living room where my partner now works from. Um, and that is like set up to be like a Zen zone. Like you go in and you're, you're the purpose of you being there is to relax. Be it you want to watch TV, play the PlayStation or play a board game, read a book. That's its purpose. This office is the chaos space. So I have my desk, which is clear and just has everything I need to work and then over in this corner is a bunch of goodie bags that need to be sent out but I know that that's the corner where things can be chaotic and the dog's got his bed behind me but everywhere else needs to be clear so unfortunately this space here if you were to look to my left it's just boxes right now because I need to send tonight send 35 goodie bags out to people but um having everything else clear clears my mind and I think different people have different ways of being but I literally can't work if everything isn't perfect yeah I don't know if you have that but if my desk is cluttered then I have to spend the time decluttering it I can't work if it's like covered in crap so now I've got like the letters that I need to go through to solve on my right I've got my notepad like my pen thing I've got my tray of like lift it up all my bits that I may need. Oh, nice. so I've got my, my hand sanitizer, my hand cream, lip balm, thing I put on my cuticles if I've got time, my face roller to unlock my jaw because my jaw gets really tight. So does my <laughs> Yeah, my jaw is always <laughs> clicking because it's like, I need to release the tension. Yeah. Um, this has no purpose, it's just cute. But um, yeah, and then some crystals that are supposed to keep me balanced and keep me working hard. Um, and that's it. So I think I don't have necessarily routines, but I've figured out how I personally need to work. And mm-hmm. that's through clear things. And I have this obsession with being on top of my housework. My sister's always saying, like, you're always cleaning. And it's I'm obsessed with just things being like not perfect, but being on top of things. So when the washing pile there's nothing in the washing basket because I did it this morning. But when the washing pile piles up, that makes me anxious. Yeah. Not the fact that I've got 
75 unread emails <laughs> that doesn't make me anxious the washing in the basket makes me anxious um so I think I move my anxieties to different things so like I've kind of got a, a grasp on my work life in that you know I get a ridiculous amount of emails in a day because everyone thinks I do the, the whole company job when actually yeah. my job is admin assistant and delegator um but I like have to fire emails here there and everywhere like this is oh that sounds great I'm gonna introduce you to Rihanna who will deal with that or Emma will deal with that um but um I've kind of got used to that and I know that you know my life's going to be stressful work wise for a really long time because I run a business I manage five women who all have different backgrounds different needs different like capacities during lockdown for their mental health Mm -hmm. that's one job I have I also have clients I have to look after I have like my own social media and all the campaigns that I need to do to ensure that there's money coming in um like there's so many things but I know that I since I've been I've been seeing a therapist for the last today was actually our last session for a while but for the last eight weeks I want to say and she's helped me realize that I just put so much stress on things that don't need to be stressful yeah so figuring out ways to because like sounds really like basic but if I don't reply to an email is someone gonna die Mm. no Mm. right so why why am I losing sleep over it so I think my biggest thing is not so much habits but finding out ways that I can work to make my life more fun better more enjoyable like you can only work so much so what what comes after that that's like where I'm at right now have you got any books that have helped you over the years to get to where you've come to at this point? Do you know what? No, I have. This is a really like weird confession. I've never read a business book or like a self-help book. Um, I've read a couple of finance books, which have been really good. But um, generally, I read like non-fiction around like the Nigerian Civil War or like black British history or um I'll read like a couple of like fiction books but they're basically about the same thing um so I don't have yeah I I know so many people that are like I've read the four hour work week and it's changed my life and um the lean startup everyone who runs a company needs to have read the lean startup and I, I haven't done any of that and people always say this to me like your company would probably run better if you did but no, I, the answer is no there. There's loads of books that I like that I read and have enjoyed and have helped me live my life in an enjoyable way. Um, for example, my favourite book is The Lonely Londoners by, um, who's, who wrote it? Sam, I want to say Sam Selman. It's on my bookshelf, but I can't see it. Oh yeah, it's here, hold on. Yeah, Solomon or Selman, sorry. Selvin by Sam Selvin and that is a just a really short book about um some guys from the West Indies that came over in the I think the 50s and it's just like their experience if you haven't read it I would highly recommend I've got two copies so I can lend you one um and you can pass it on to other people but I just got my boyfriend to read it because he wanted a book to just like relax and read 
and it's just such a nice it's it can be a bit stressful at some points because you like can feel how they felt but it's just Mm. like a good read and I just like reading books that are historically accurate and historically accurate and um educational but also Mm -hmm. actually just really interesting um so yeah that's my book side nothing that actually helps me with anything in my actual life (laughs) yeah but it's like even if it's just for a bit of escapism you know it hasn't Mm. necessarily got to be business or self-help it's just nice to know what different people are called to and yeah for whatever reasons um Michelle Obama's memoir Becoming I read that a couple of years ago and that is a really good way if you haven't read that that is if you want some uplift Mm -hmm. from a black woman that's the book you want to read yeah she's a powerhouse she really is yeah she just like every time I see her just that just those boss vibes do you know what I mean yeah it's just like, and like the things she does like the gestures and like she's just such a cool woman yeah like oh so lucky yes if I was Barack yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I listened to their pod um she has a podcast and I listened to the first episode and he was on it I don't know if you've listened to it oh no but no she's just so funny she's like welcome to my podcast this is my yeah. podcast and she interviewed him and yeah she they're such a great couple but she's just she just makes it I love Barack Obama I'm like I don't really like older men but I would I would marry Barack Obama um <laughs> But I also would marry Michelle. Like yeah. she's she's a Wonder Woman. Because even though he was like the most powerful man in the world, like you could just feel her gravitas as well. It wasn't yeah. like she wasn't like this little woman underneath the president. She was oh, like, no. and he elevated her as well. You know, he would yeah. always pull her through and take her hand. And like the contrast compared to how like Trump and Melania, yeah, look when like, they move over. <laughs> yeah, you can see her like shaking him off and like. I mean, yeah, let's not go there, but yeah, we'd all, I'm sure we'd all be shaking up Trump. Yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> right. Um, but, so where can people find you and is there anything that you've got to plug, anything you're working on? So people can find me personally on Instagram as Charlotte76, the letters, not the numbers, and on Twitter as the stylum which is my old blog I really need to change the handle but charlotte76 is too long for the twitter characters so oh, I don't know what I'm going to change it to yeah it's really annoying um and then company wise you can find us as 76 agencies across every platform that ever exists um what we've got coming up so we just hosted a really incredible I'm saying it myself blowing my own trumpet because I actually didn't put it together one of my <laughs> team members did but um we hosted a really good event last month around influencer education oh yeah so yeah it was really really good um we had some fantastic feedback and we're going to be doing more educational events we we've always done them but not as big as that but we'll be continuing from this month we're just putting together our schedule and they will be announced next week and then we also have our pricing report which is coming out if not next week I'm not sure when this this recording will come out but um if not next week and the week after in our present time in, in this reality um so yeah that's our I think that's a really big thing so we're looking at we surveyed a good few hundred influencers and brand managers and agencies around pricing 
and we're looking at averages and how it's affected influences for people of colour and then different breakdowns within those people of colour um, and then also trying to put together a, a good average for um, for pricing. So, yeah, because yes, people, it's too. like really broad. Oh, my it? God. I know it worked with some, some of the campaigns. I'm like, you charge that much, but you charge that. It's like. The yeah. averages that we're seeing, because so many people know so little about how much they can price themselves. Yeah. Um, are really mad. And I've had to go through the numbers so many times because I'm like, surely that can't be right. But um, it's really sad showcasing the confidence of people within the industry and not knowing that they can charge or sometimes it's not knowing the fees that they're able to charge and sometimes not feeling good enough to be able to charge mm. it and um, also seeing how ethnicity falls into it um there's a, we've got loads of stats around that it's gonna be full of like colorful pie charts and really good information to come out so that yeah when that gets released I'm going to be doing the tour around the industry and doing lots of talks talking about that and um yeah I'm really excited I think that's going to lead to a lot of conversations and a lot more yeah set some sort of industry standard with any hope yeah we're hoping to start that conversation yeah tbc on that amazing and before we wrap up have you got any parting words for any aspiring influencers i would say figure out why you want to influence and who Mm. you want to influence and go for the internet is wide and vast and you can literally do whatever you want just make sure you do it with purpose yes yes love it brilliant thank you so much for having me this was so great thank you I've really enjoyed it it's been a really great chat so I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, I would very much appreciate it if you could kindly rate, review and subscribe. As every time you leave a review, it means you're helping me to amplify our voices in this constant push against the algorithms. Please do share this episode with anyone else that you think might enjoy it. And wherever you are in the world, if there are any particular snippets that resonated with you, I would absolutely love to hear them. So please do post them into your Instagram stories and tag us at the Curl Squad. You can also email me with your favourite bits at info at thecurlsquad.com. I would absolutely love to hear that. And you'll also be entered automatically into our future upcoming giveaways. You can also find us on all the socials at The Curl Squad. So please do come along and follow the ongoing conversation. And until next time, thank you, peace, and see you then. <laughs>